it's not going to be a fulfilling answer because I'm going to say that most atheists disagree about what atheism believes in or what it does not believe in. So if you separate the word, if you separate the letter A from the word theism, it literally means the absence of God. So atheism translates directly to the absence of the idea of God. Kenzie Brenna is a self and body love enthusiast, a mental health advocate, and an extremely engaging and thought-provoking influencer on Instagram. Although even Kenzie rolls her eyes at the title of an influencer, she's created a platform that is safe and brave, comforting to most, and confronting to some. She's educated, extremely well-spoken, and incredibly inviting. Kenzie is also an atheist. Welcome to The Safe Haven, a space for stories to be shared about the lights and darks, highs and lows of life. In this really rich conversation, Kenzie shares her spiritual journey and her path towards atheism through a spiritual background and into the questioning of personal experiences, philosophies, and traumas in her life. Through policies and politics and entering a YouTube wormhole in 2016, Kenzie began a really deep self-exploration. Something that I admire so wholeheartedly about Kenzie is the way that she educates herself. She's always reading, learning, and listening. During our chat about atheism, she's aware of and is so respectful towards other belief systems. The way she acknowledges indigenous wisdom and spirituality made my heart nearly explode. To share space with someone whose values are so aligned with mine felt like magic. We chat about connection to everyday life and the wonders that surround us. What life is like as an influencer, feeling all the feelings, and what our individual dream jobs would be like. Before we hear about the journey into atheism, it is with so much excitement and gratitude that I introduce to you, Kenzie Brenna. Okay, first off, Amanda... Hi, I'm so excited to be here today to chat with you. I think one of the things that pulled us together was having these really fun and interesting conversations. And they're literally my favorite. Mm -hmm. Like I have a mixture of both being introvert and extrovert, but conversations like make me feel alive and they make me feel refreshed. And so podcasting and just having these like really, really, really fun exchanges Mm -hmm. make me so excited. So I feel like I'm buzzing right now. So I'm just like so thrilled to be able to exchange some information with you today and have a really fun conversation. Oh, I'm so happy that this worked out. This timing was, was just perfect. So thank you for your time. Mm -hmm. So talking about atheism is definitely something that's like still kind of new in my life. I have only identified as an atheist for the last few years. And I grew up very, very, very spiritual. I grew up with a notion of God. I didn't grow up necessarily religious, but I went to Sunday school for a bit until my parents divorced and threw in the towel with that. But I grew up with a connection to God. You know, I thought that God was a part of nature. I thought that God had to do with the thunder and lightning that came down. I expected that God had something to do with my life and was intervening at certain moments. And when I got into high school, 
I kind of didn't necessarily have God so much at the forefront of my brain anymore, but more so spirituality, more so things that had to do with the universe or source energy. And I was really, really, really hooked on law of attraction, you know, affirming our thoughts and believing in manifestation and thinking that, you know, your soul has all of this wisdom inside of it and you just have to remember it. You have to come back to that remembering. And it was a really intense duality for a long time because I had gone through trauma as a kid and I kept trying to reconcile that, you know, I kept trying to manifest my way out of an eating disorder or manifest my way out of self-harm. And there was a point where I just... I remember I kept writing in my journal, like the universe, like I would be writing to the universe and I'd be saying, why is this happening to me? You know, I'm thinking all of the good thoughts I'm I'm buying all of the self-help books. I'm going to the seminars. I'm doing my daily affirmations. I'm remaining positive no matter what, why is this still happening? You know, why can, why is my hurt not stopping? And, you know, that kind of like, floated with me for a little bit into my 20s. And then by 25, 26, I think I was starting to question a little bit more. I was starting to understand language around trauma. I was starting to understand myself a little bit more in different ways. I was starting to read a little bit more about philosophy. And it wasn't until Trump got elected that I was starting to pick fights with some people online about, you know, certain policies and politics that I ended up in a YouTube wormhole. And through YouTube, I ended up on some atheist, um, you know, like battle royale between like these two white guys who were talking about atheism versus spirituality. And I was watching them and, and the things that the atheist was asking, I had no answers to. You know, I had no answers as to if the universe was all knowing and all powerful, or if your God was all knowing and all powerful, why would he let bad things happen to children? Like, why would the universe let bad things happen to children? And if it was your soul choosing that life purpose, why that? Why wouldn't we all choose to live in harmony and in peace and have the wisdom of peace and harmony just as is? And I kept going through these questions in my head and I, I just genuinely couldn't answer them. And it wasn't until I bought a book on atheism and I started reading it that, and I couldn't, I mean, like before this, you couldn't twist my arm to, you know, you can pay me enough money for me to call myself an atheist. Like I, I hated the word. I was so, I was resonating so deeply on my spirituality and that I just, Eventually, after I read the book, I just, that was it. That was it. I was hooked. I realized that there were more things in the, in the world and and in the cosmos that I couldn't explain and that this information that I had, that it was trying to explain life, trauma, and the way that things are is and seems to be very, very, very fabricated and that we have responsibilities to ourselves and to one another that don't have necessarily anything to do with God or have to do with the source energy or whatnot. And it was very freeing and very scary Mm -hmm. and reconciling that with a passion for life and a passion for the stars and a passion for things that are mysterious. I love stuff that's mysterious and I never want to lose that part of me. And I also never want to pretend like I I know the answers to stuff. So that's basically where I'm at now. And um, in a nutshell, my, my journey in atheism. 
So around 2015, 2016, when you kind of first started diving into this and that fear that was coming up, was that more of a perceived fear or were people kind of being a little bit judgmental about the changes in your belief system? Mm, A little bit of both. I definitely had my own projected fear. Like I was, I was scared of what that meant to me. You know, I had the idea in my head that atheists were like these like curmudgeon old men that like sit in bars and order like shitty whiskey and that, you know, that were really unpleasant and they like lost the vigor and the magic to life. And life is just, there's so much beauty in life and Mm. there's so much to be astounded by Mm -hmm. that I never I I could never imagine myself like that. And so the fear was that was losing the magic, was losing the ability to marvel and to have awe in your everyday life. And then also the fact that I came from a very, very spiritual mother that created a lot of tension there. And there was a lot of um, back and forth between what that meant, you know, for our relationship as well. It's so true that the word atheist or atheism in general does have such a negative connotation to it. And that's why I feel like the spin that you put on how you share things is really, Mm -hmm. it's engaging. So people are interested in what you have to say. And then it's like, oh my gosh, there's more to it than that. So having listened to Mm. your solo episode that you did on becoming an atheist in your podcast, there was so many of the questions that you were asking yourself along that Mm -hmm. journey that... In total transparency, I was listening to it in the shower, like, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. And I'm Mm -hmm. listening to it. And the questions that you're asking yourself, I'm like, holy shit, like, I don't have an answer for that. So what does that mean? You know, and I, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say, I mean, I guess I've been on my own kind of spiritual path, spiritual journey over the last couple of years Mm -hmm. and figuring things out on my own. But Mm. I think what really made me wonder was you always hear these debates back and forth between spiritual leaders or religious leaders about what God is. And I think the common answer being God is love. But what I kept coming up with my own question to ask you was if someone was to ask you what an atheist believes in, or or do you believe Mm -hmm. in something bigger than yourself? How would you answer that? Yeah, that's a really, really, really great question. And I love that you listen to podcasts in the shower. (laughs) I'm a shower podcast listener as well. Um, So the way that I describe it is it's not going to be a fulfilling answer because I'm going to say that most atheists disagree about what atheism believes in or what it does not believe in. So if you separate the word, if you separate the letter A from the word theism, it literally means the absence of God. So atheism translates directly to the absence of the idea of God. And so Technically, atheism can't believe in anything because it is the opposite of a belief system. It's the it's the non-belief system. It's that there is no evidence for there to be a God or for there to be a source energy or not sufficient evidence, not good, well put together evidence. So therefore, I don't have a belief system on this. And I would say that that is a general definition that a lot of people can agree on, but there's some Mm -hmm. atheists who actually float more into being agnostic. The difference between atheism and agnostic agnosticism is that when you're agnostic, you believe that any God, there's a potential for whatever God in history that we've conjured up, that there's a possibility that that God exists, but you just don't really know. So you just don't really care to find out. And it's kind of, there's a term called 
being agnostic is a lazy man's atheist because with atheists, you're like full on like, no, there's no God, there's none of this. And being agnostic is like, well, we don't really know. And so there's a huge gray area, huge mm-hmm. gray area of atheists between total and complete, I would say like cosmic nihilism where like, nope, there's no God, there's nothing. We exist as we are, we die, There's then there's nothing left afterwards. To being agnostic where there's a little bit more open-mindedness And so the second part to your question is how would I describe my own belief? Yeah. Yeah. So I definitely think that if there is a God or if there is source energy, then there's no way for us to know about it at this point in time. Like there's just, there's really no way. And it's because of the fact that before when I was basing my assumption that there was a God or that there was source energy or that the universe could hear me or that I was, you know, that, that something bigger than me was out there that was paying attention to me. It was based on feeling like this was my gut feeling, you know, well, I've had a lot of gut feelings about other things. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a plane and I'm like, yep, this plane is going down. (laughs) I have the feeling everyone. Mm -hmm. I have the feeling it's in my gut. It's my feeling. Or how many times I thought that my partner was mad at me when he wasn't you know, and, and it is in my core. Like I've had feelings before that just aren't true. And so if we all come together and have a similar feeling, but that feeling isn't necessarily based on stuff, then to me, there's something else going on in our bodies rather than something going on outside of our bodies. Mm -hmm. And right now where my belief system lies is definitely, you know, if there one day becomes evidence to there being a God or there, there being something that is bigger than us in that way. I'm all for it. I'm here for it. I will not deny it. But for now, I feel pretty comfortable that life as we know it here on earth is pretty rare and that there isn't anything necessarily bigger. I think that art and I think that nature, they can make us feel things that are bigger than ourselves. And to me, that's the stuff that I feel really spiritual about in the sense that I feel connected to something larger than myself. You know, there's this whole process that has unfolded, you know, from the Big Bang to the moment of our solar system being created to the moment of bacteria coming to life here on Earth to then the atmosphere to then all of a sudden human beings. And when people say that we are the universe that woke up to itself, that's a very real statement. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I need to come up with anything more other than sitting and how miraculous that whole process is. Mm -hmm. But do I know what started the big bang? Am I going to like pretend that I like there's, I, I don't know. And so I'm okay with not knowing. And I'm okay also with not spending energy trying to figure it out either. Yeah. I love how you just said right now where my belief system lies, because that to me shows Mm -hmm. growth and transformation and the fact that it's not rigid. And I admire that so, Mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. What about you? Where do you fall in terms of your own spirituality? Interesting that you ask, because I would say that mine is just very much on its own journey. Mm -hmm. I grew up I wouldn't even say that I grew up in the church because we went as many Sundays as we could until I was in my early teens. And I think what I valued most about our time in the church is that my parents Mm -hmm. really believed in a sense of community. So for me to be in the church, that's where I learned so much respect for elders because Mm -hmm. we were there Mm -hmm. holding the door, shaking hands, greeting, looking Mm -hmm. people in the eye, conversing from the heart, you know, or I learned how to public speak. 
and how to hold my chin up high and how to look into an Mm. audience. And I really gained a sense of confidence within that community. So mega props to my dad for really instilling that as a, so it was not something that we prayed at a table or that we even prayed before bed. But I think that there was always just this belief that there is something bigger. And I didn't necessarily put that to a man with a beard and long hair in a white robe. That was nothing Mm. that I was ever really drawn to. And I never had been. And then into my late teens, I actually was on an exchange for a year in Argentina. And my host mom, one of my host moms there is all about love and healing energy. Mm -hmm. And she's a Reiki practitioner. And she, this woman is love. Mm -hmm. And that really just got me thinking about a different way of living and more holistic healing. And she was all about that. So mm. that kind of got me rolling into thinking, well, maybe there is something bigger. It was a lot about the mm-hmm. universe. The same as you is like into my twenties, there was something about the law of attraction, right? Mm-hmm. So then I kept thinking, I was like, Oh, the secret or read the book and watched the show uh-huh. and did all the things. And, and then same as you, even when you were talking about uh, your journey through the law of attraction, which you had talked about in your mm-hmm. podcast, what I felt connected to was very much that it's like if I tripped and fell or if I was in a bad mood, it's like, what am I thinking about in this exact moment that made me trip on that sidewalk or something like mm. that? It's like, mm, that's not actually how it is. So that was a bit confronting right. for me. Right. And then I would say for where I'm at right now, I would never pinpoint it to a person, a place, a thing. For me, it is very much more a feeling and it's very much love driven. I, like mm. you, am so connected to the cosmos, to the the moons, how she cycles. Mm. That to me, goal setting, intention setting, just living by the moon cycles, that to me is, is a big part of who I am right now. And I think that for me, when it comes to a true belief in what could be and projecting the things that I hope to happen, but also putting in the grit and the sweat into what is mm-hmm. coming. Yeah, so... I love that you flipped that question on me because very rarely do my guests flip a question. Yeah. I love it. But yeah, I I guess that's kind of where I'm at is I don't have anything that is so set in stone or so specific and I'm so open to conversation about it. But Mm -hmm. I would say that I just like to think of how the world works in mysterious ways and miraculous Mm -hmm. ways. And I'm very much on the same page when it comes to why would a God that is of love Mm -hmm. have these terrible things happening to such innocent, Mm -hmm. beautifully woven humans. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely, yes, that is definitely a big question that is just unanswerable. Mm -hmm. I mean, if anyone even attempts to answer that, they kind of look like a buffoon because they're going to, in one way or another, admit that their God is either all not powerful Mm -hmm. or they're going to admit that their God is all not knowing. Mm -hmm. And I want to make mention here as well, because there is something very sacred about Indigenous wisdom and Indigenous spirituality. Mm. I never want to take that away as, you know, as a white person who's an atheist who has grown up in the Americas. I never want to take away Indigenous spirituality Mm -hmm. or or an Indigenous wisdom. We don't need it to do any more of that. And so there's something that is also just true about indigenous wisdom you know indigenous wisdom teaches us that if we take care of the land the land will take care of us Mm -hmm. that there is a beingness to everything and that we are all connected and I feel like you don't actually need to have much more than that in Mm -hmm. order to have a connection to all of life and 
when I talk about being an atheist and I talk about the fears that I had of, you know, losing some of the magic and the awe that I have with everyday life, I just want to say that it's actually grown. You know, my connection to everyday life has grown because I look at everything as a process which we can observe and which we can measure as much as possible. You know, there are these scientific processes that are just going on constantly and we get the opportunity to observe and even be a part of it. And Mm. so I marvel in that and I love soaking in the mystery of stuff. And, you know, synchronicity is one of my favorite things to experience when you think about something and then it happens. I mean, and your brain lights up and you're like, I don't know why this happened, but I was just thinking about this person and then they Mm -hmm. called and it feels so cool. Atheism doesn't take that away. You know, you're allowed to feel good about that stuff. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to also set a goal and affirm it and write gratitude lists and think about it all the time. And when that goal happens, you're allowed to be excited about it. Mm -hmm. And you also don't have to put that responsibility on a God or on source energy or anything like that. It could just happen because of causality. And you had a hand in feeling really good about it because of the work that you put into it. And so I just want everyone to be listening right now that You don't have to put away your spiritual practices. You don't have to do any of that. You can continue to look at the world with a lot of love and a lot of care. You can continue to have spiritual practices without also pretending like we know stuff when we don't. Mm -hmm. We can continue to have both of those things, I think. Mm I wanted to circle back to two things here because number one, I super highly appreciate your respect and your acknowledgement of the indigenous ways. Like I, that means a lot. Mm -hmm. And then there was something else that you said there about your connection to everyday life processes, because a hundred percent nature and the world and the way that things work is Mm -hmm. such a beautiful mystery in such a way. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that was kind of leading me into a question that would be, and I'm trying to I'm trying to spin this in a way that it's like, if you need to dig deep, if there's no belief in God, there's no belief in the universe. And when it mm-hmm. comes to setting an intention and finding strength, digging deep into yourself or not necessarily putting the weight, putting the burden, putting the expectation onto something mm-hmm. that is not human, mm-hmm. where do you find your strength mm-hmm. that others would find in a God? Or mm-hmm. where would you set the intention that others would put into a universe? Yeah. Um, Good question. I think that I am still working through that one because I actually am just going through a very, very recent breakup. And I have been finding that through the last few days have been really hard. And I've been looking for answers that are quite unanswerable answers, you know, Mm -hmm when you get stuck in the past and you're like, what if I did this? And what if I did that? And when things are really hard and when we're sitting in that deep, painful place of uncertainty, it is very convenient for us to be able to look to an external source to give us an answer, to give us that sense of, ah, okay, so see, this is what, Mm -hmm. this is why this is happening. And this is what's going to happen. And if I just, you know, do enough tarot readings or if I affirm stuff enough, or if I positively think enough, then things are going to work out and be just fine. And that may not happen. You know, there is a lot of deep uncertainty 
that I don't think that our culture is very good at dealing with. And I think that's why it's so pervasive to have certain things like the stuff that I just mentioned come into place when we're dealing with moments of uncertainty. So when I'm in moments of grief, when I'm in moments of uncertainty, I really don't touch the dial. I don't do anything. I don't look to an external source. I don't try to find answers. I sit and I cry and I weep and I grieve and I sit alone in that feeling. And then I use my resources with what I have. I call my friends and I affirm to myself that I'm safe and that I'm okay. And I make sure to remember the beautiful things about life. And then I go on. But I try to not look for some type of other thing that's going to help me explain this or cope with it that may or may not exist, like a like a God or like mm. source energy or something that is, you know, beyond our human realm. I really just try to, I try to be with myself and I try to sit with whatever feelings. And um, when I get an urge to do anything like that, sometimes stuff is just fun to do in general. Like I had a tarot reading a few weeks ago and I'm not, I don't necessarily believe in tarot, but I think like if you do a tarot reading, I think that serves for great journal prompts. You know, if the tarot reading Mm -hmm. says, you're going to travel and you're going to do this. And yes, this is going to happen or know that this might not happen. Why not use that for journal prompts? You know, it's good for just reflection anyways. So I think that anything can be used for reflective purposes, but I try to just be with myself, to be honest, and just like sit in the feeling and let it be grueling and know that you can survive it basically. Mm -hmm. When you are sitting in grief, or joy, or stress, or anxiety, or depression, sitting through these things that we experience as humans, Mm -hmm. what personal practices do you have to maintain balance? Or I guess balance is a loaded word, but Mm -hmm. some sort of balance in chaos. Mm -hmm. I always come back to meditation and gratitude lists, always. And Mm -hmm. meditation isn't spiritual. People have been doing it forever. It's about creating a mindfulness and it's about noticing where your thoughts are because nine times out of 10, a lot of the pain that we experience has to do with our internal environments. And I just want to say as a caveat here, this doesn't discredit people who go through sexism or racism or homophobia or any of the systemic barriers that are in place because that pain is like definitely real and you're not going to gratitude your way out of, you know, having a racist experience. So I just want to say first and foremost, when I say that I'm not including those experiences in this, what I come back to in order to cope in general with the chaos is remembering that I have a hand in it. You know, where's my perspective right now? And if I'm feeling chaotic or if I'm feeling like there's a lot of turmoil around me, how much of that is because I'm producing those feelings versus what's actually happening around me. And meditation is helpful because it brings you back to, it's kind of like a muscle, like you have to keep working out. You keep working it out and you keep noticing and you keep being able to focus your mind in specific ways. And your mind isn't left on loop. It's not left on ruminating. It's not left on overthinking. It's not left creating its own misery in your head, you can actually control that a little bit more. And so meditation, gratitude lists, friends, exercise, doing things that are wholesome, like going for a walk in nature and noticing 10 things that you didn't notice the day before. 
And Mm -hmm. I think doing those things definitely 100% help keep me balanced. Yeah. With those practices, I can imagine that you've had to come back to a lot of those throughout your journey on Instagram and starting to share things in such a vulnerable Mm -hmm. way over the last couple of years. I think that that must be emotionally taxing at times. Mm -hmm. Bit of a roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah. How has your journey, I guess, really over the last couple of years, we have this new term as an influencer Mm -hmm. and ultimately you fit into that category as an influencer. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit of a journey with us as to your role being an influencer? Yeah. Being an influencer is definitely something that is still feeling very new to me. And I do think that the term is ridiculous. And so if anyone's listening and they're like, oh my God, she's an influencer. Trust me. I'm saying the same thing about myself. (laughs) Being an influencer was an accident. You know, I never intended for this to happen and I count my blessings every day and I feel very grateful and thankful that it has happened, Mm -hmm. but sharing pieces of me online that is so raw and so intimate, I don't really have second thoughts about. And I don't know why. I don't know if that comes from being a kid and always wanting to be an actor and just always wanting to tell stories. Like I always just wanted to tell stories and have people listen and ask people what they think about things. And so the part of the platform that feels really natural to me is just expressing myself on it. That just feels so natural. What doesn't feel natural is like the scheduling, the branding, the like the creating content, all that stuff. I'm like, I'm not good at that, but I'm good at telling stories and I'm good at talking about stuff and I'm good at listening and creating a community that is really, really, really incredible that I'm, I'm lucky that I've been able to do that. I don't know. It's just, it's really easy for me to get on there and talk about how bad my day has been and talk about the fact that I'm feeling heartbreak right now. And, and I feel like I want to do that more and more. And there's a part of that too, where, um, and you'll know this because of the tech Shabbat, uh, episode that I had, you know, social media drives that too, because of the dopamine and like, you know, you refresh your screen and you get a whole bunch of notifications and like, that is so rewarding to your animal brain. And so there's an element of that, that I have to like check myself on, but mostly it's just like, I love being able to go onto an online community and share myself and share things that I'm interested in and have feedback and be able to exchange stuff. Mm -hmm. That makes me wonder what your dream job would be. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I have no idea. I try to be thankful right now that I'm like, this probably is your dream job. You know, I get to like talk with people every single day and like, I get to talk about things that I'm really passionate about. And I get to try to like change the world in a small way. And I don't know if there's anything else that I would rather be doing, but also mm-hmm. if like the apocalypse was tomorrow And I was, you know, the capitalism was like no longer. And I had my financial needs met for the rest of my life. Like, let's just say I didn't have to think about money. I would probably write and I would probably do something with animals. And what's interesting about that, and I think you'll find this really interesting, is that one day on my Instagram stories, I asked that question. I said, if your financial needs were met for the rest of your life, what would you do? You know, you never have to think about money. Like, you don't ever have to think about it. What would you do? And 99% of people said stuff to do with the earth or animals. Mm. Like everyone would be working with animals 
or they would be traveling the world. Mm -hmm. And I think that just goes to show you an essential part of being human. And I mean, like, you know, this isn't a proper sample size for scientific investigation, but from the information and the responses that I gathered from it, it was like, everyone has this innate curiosity to see the world and to work with their hands with nature. Like that is literally it. Everybody wants a chance to do something like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that we just, in the system that we're in, it just robs us of that every single day. We don't get to do that. We abandon the part of ourselves that is naturally curious to go see the mountains, to go into the forest, to go and hang out with a pack of dogs, to like, you know, go do those things. We can't, we can't do them because our system doesn't allow everybody to do that all at once. And so I think it's interesting. Um, Now I'm going to flip the question back on you. What is your dream job? I think very much the same thing up until last year. And the, the storytelling and sharing for me is a big one because I've got so many different stories that I could share, but I've learned throughout my adult life, the importance of listening, right. And holding space for others and not just listening Mm -hmm. to reply, like, you know, listen Mm -hmm. to understand and to respond when the timing is right. And up until last June, I didn't realize that I was going to be so passionate about podcasting and being Mm -hmm. able to have these really rich conversations with people that it just proves even now remotely, you know, if I was back in Ontario right now, we could have actually sat down in person, obviously if COVID-19 wasn't a thing, but COVID-19 has now proven that connection, real connection Mm. is real. It can happen over the internet in a virtual space, but always my Mm -hmm. preference is to be not just having surface level conversations. Like let's jump in. Mm. So that I would definitely say, and yeah, being outside, exploring, traveling the world, I've done lots of traveling in my life. So something that would have to do with just giving back in such a way. Okay. Do you want to actually know like the real one, like dream? Of course. Yes, absolutely. To have an outdoor health and wellness space that is both from the land and giving back to the land in such a way that collecting rainwater, using rainwater, solar powered, giving back in a space where people can be outdoors and warm all year round. That's just like the tidbit, but it's a beautiful, I can put myself in that space. I can smell the greenery. I can sit in it. I can walk in it. I can hear it. All the things like it's so real to me. So that's going to happen. So real. So good. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to come when it happens. Yes, you are. It's uh, it's one of those things that it's been kind of on the back burner and it's just, it's something that I always keep stirring. You know, it's not just ignored. Things are in the works. I'm slowly intentionally changing things in my own life in that direction. Mm. So mm-hmm. just a matter of time, I guess. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Goddamn time. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you now, that's got me wondering about the podcast because up until mm-hmm. last May was kind of when it started to come together. June was when it finally mm-hmm. started becoming a thing. And I know that yours has been since May. Didn't yours come out in May? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So tell me what sparked the interest for conversations with Kenzie and how that grew. Yes. So I've been wanting to do a podcast for a while, partially because in case anyone hasn't noticed, I love chatting and I love talking and it's my most favorite thing ever. Um, And obviously this year with COVID, it allowed me a lot more space to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that was a reason why it came out this year. I had recorded episodes last year, but I wasn't proud of them. I felt like I talked too much during them and I didn't let the person that I was interviewing talk enough about what they were on. And so 
I just had to scrap those interviews and start over and learn from, from all of that. Mm -hmm. But it, it like, it definitely arose because, you know, my platform, I mostly talk about mental health and body love, but as people can hear, I'm like really interested in atheism and I'm really interested in cosmology and I'm really interested in biology. And I'm interested in like, how do people cope after going through PTSD? And I wanted a place where I could talk about that more freely And in a podcast format, you're just able to have this like really fun, organic conversation. And it's not edited in the same way that a caption is edited or a YouTube video. And so it just felt so right to do. And Mm -hmm. and I love the exchange of energy that you get Mm -hmm. when you're doing it. And so that's how, how it arose. Yeah. You've had some really exceptional conversations on yours as well. So you've done some solo episodes, but you've also had some really intriguing, thought-provoking guests on and conversations that you've had with them. Yesterday, I listened to the one with Adam John Foss. Mm. Holy Mm -hmm. smokes. So good. So good. And I love Mm. that you, because your voice is just like butter. It's just delicious. And just listening to you speak and how your audio is just on point all the time. I was like, man, this is a podcast I could just binge. Thank you. That means so much. And my producer also, I have to shout him out. He's a friend of mine and he's someone that I was emailing back and forth with about getting them on. They said, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and it sounds like it's not edited. So let me know how that works. And I was like, oh, well, funny thing that you say that it is definitely edited. And my producer cuts out all of our ums and ahs and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the hesitations that people might have in their voice. And so he's so, he, I just, I really cannot shut him out enough. Um, My friend Brett, he's like so amazing and has definitely made the podcast what it is today as well. Well, yeah. Huge shout out to him because he's nailing it. Yeah. But I mean, but then again, regardless of the ums and the pauses and the smacks and all the things that happen naturally during a conversation, the content and the caliber of topics that you guys cover is... Mm. It's what the world needs. It's really thought-provoking content. Thank you so much, Amanda. I really, really, really appreciate it. And same goes to you for your podcast. I think like when we do create these like little pockets of curiosity in the world where, you know, we're so curious to talk with this person about Mm -hmm. this thing and it has nothing to do with the last topic that we just discussed. I think it just gives like people a range of, the stuff that's going on in the world and the experiences and the knowledge and that at the end of the day, the whole point too is to interconnect all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, when we were talking about the woman that you had on your podcast who had a, a respiratory infection that led to potentially being paralyzed, you know, what does that have to do with the rainforest? Mm-hmm. Like what does that have to do with cosmology or the atheism or the stuff that we're talking about? And I bet you we could find connections between all of them. And I think like that's the point of all of it is to like have all of these things that look different and then find all of the ways that they connect. Mm -hmm. And that's my most favorite part too, is about having these conversations is to think about all of those things and podcasting in general and just the conversations and having them in like real time, Mm -hmm. especially during COVID. Oh my God, especially during COVID, Mm -hmm. like so life-saving. Yeah. 
there's such a relatability in every story. You just need to kind of hear it through and really listen to it in an open-minded way. Mm -hmm. There's always something to connect even personally with on every level or to relate an experience that maybe someone that you know very well or love very much has experienced as well, which is that personal Mm -hmm. level of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a relatability. And once you start working from the framework that everything has some degree of connection Mm -hmm. to it, you can never really find a boring story. Like you can never hear something where you're like, oh, this is so boring. You know, if um, just taking the example of um, your conversation with her, um, you know, when she's spending time in the hospital, you know, we could all be thinking about like, okay, what were those, all of the stuff that she was like hooked up and connected to, where did all of those materials come from? Were they sourced in environmentally friendly ways? If not, how come? And if so, why aren't more hospitals doing it? And what was her whole belief system during that time? Did it shift from, um, you know, believing in a God or not? And then, you know, going on that tangent. And I think like when you start coming from the framework that everything is interconnected, everything is just so interesting because the story is never ending. Mm -hmm. You know, one connection leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. And before you know it, there's just so much more shit in the world that you'll never know about versus the knowledge that you can actually accumulate. Mm -hmm. And then, then you're golden, you know, and then you're eating everything up and everything is just as spectacular. It's like that, that pie chart I've seen a couple of times around now on social media. It's like this thing, it says things, you know, and things you don't know, you don't know, you know, yeah. it's like, you, you know, just a teeny little bit and then the rest yeah. of it is actually shit you have no idea about. Yeah, absolutely. And I had heard that a while ago. Um, I can't remember who, but someone had said that they said, you know, the amount of stuff that you don't know is infinite. I mean, you will just not know about so much in the world and knowledge is so finite. And so when we act all high and mighty, like, you know, like we know everything and even to do with coronavirus, you know, when we're talking about COVID and you've got two people who, two virologists who have studied for the last 30 years, and this is their field, and they both disagree about whether or not COVID is made in a lab or whether COVID arose from a wet market. Why would I ever think that I know as much as them in order to agree or disagree with one of them? Mm -hmm. Like what, what, in what world, you know, and, but we have these egos that tell us like, oh, you know, and again, connecting that back to the spirituality and atheism thing, There's just so much uncertainty that we need to have to humble us as humans, instead of thinking that like we have the information, we have the knowledge, therefore we must know, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I just, I don't, I think that there's just a lot more stuff that we don't know than what we do. Yeah. However, you did just mention the word ego. And that is something that Mm. every single one of us at some point and in varying degrees struggle with. Totally. Yeah. And obviously some people far more than others. And I'm going to quote you because this is something that I had mentioned just pre-recording that is a quote of yours from a conversation that you had with Sarah Nicole Landry. Mm -hmm. And it said, you had said, which I love, and that's why I wrote it down. Being a good educator is knowing that all information is incomplete. Like mic drop, (laughs) you know? It's so good. It is so true. And then that's why I was like, oh, because me as an educator working in a public school system, Mm. I loved that so much because you're, you're taught that, you know, you can learn so much or become an expert in certain things. But the reality is, is that you're never going to know it all. Mm. You're never going to know it all. I remember 
growing up, the teachers that I had were know-it-alls. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was a kid that Glennon Doyle would say is sensitive, not stupid. Mm-hmm. And because of my sensitivities, I was able to pick up on stuff. And I'm sure everybody at some point in their life where they're just, their intuition is picking up that something isn't right about this, whether or not it's a problem in school or a problem with a guardian or a parent or whatever it is. But when you're like, this is just not connecting the dots and kids do that. They point out the holes in everything. They're like, yeah, well, if that's, that's like this, then why is it like this? And I think that when a child asks why the sky is blue, let's say for example, They ask why the sky is blue and some parents might say like, oh, because it reflects the ocean or, oh, because that's just how it is here. Can you please try to spell the word cat? Because we actually don't really know why the sky is blue. (laughs) What we do is we shut down that innate curiosity. Mm -hmm. And instead of being a good educator in that moment to say like, you know, well, I don't know. It has a lot to do with the chemistry and the atmosphere and the way that light refracts into it. And there's a subjective feeling about blue. I mean, all of that, that is like, one of the most complicated questions anybody could ask ever. And instead of actually indulging that and instead of actually being okay with the information being complete, we like ask them to spell cat Mm -hmm. and then that's it. And we shut them down. And I think as educators and parents and guardians and people that are in those roles, I think that we can be doing a much better job by saying like, you know what? I don't actually know. Why don't we figure out together? And again, I want to like, compliment every single parent in the world who's exhausted and totally tired and every teacher who is also at their wits end you know this is absolutely no judgment whatsoever I think that there's just always room to be better and to grow and one of the ways I think is to just be honest about the fact that information is forever incomplete and you don't know everything yeah I think that modeling that you don't know it all as someone who I guess is in a, in a teacher role or a parent role or in some sort of mentorship mm-hmm. role, just really mm-hmm. just being a human, I think is modeling that you don't know at all and just proving that it's okay to not have all of the answers because then that shows others that if they don't know all the answers, they're still good. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. That's such a good way to put it. You're going to build courage that way. Mm -hmm. You're going to build people that are okay with not knowing. And then people aren't going to grow up self-righteous. They're going to grow up humbled. And that is so important too, because when mentors emulate ego in that way, and when they are emblematic of almost being like, like a Messiah in the way that we're like, I have all of the information and I have the truth and you have to come to me to get it. It's classism. Like that's built into classism, you know? And I just think that we, we break people like that. Mm -hmm. I think that the system breaks us like that, you know, and we all have had a teacher or a mentor or a guardian that has changed our life for the better. And we've all had one that hasn't, that's like broken us down even more. And I think that we can, we can definitely do better in those areas. And by doing that, by being that example, we're going to be building courageous, brave people that Mm. ask more questions instead of having more of the answers, you know, Mm. and, and asking questions is a good thing. Yeah. Always flip the script, flip the question. (laughs) Mm, Totally. I have three safe haven style questions for you. Yeah. What are you most proud of? Hmm. I'm most proud of my platform. I've worked so hard. And even though that it started out as an accident, I've worked so, so hard 
to make that place a little safe haven for people to be themselves and for people to ask questions and to critically think and, you know, unpack things. And I'm so, so, so proud of it. I love that question. Mm. What do you want to be known for? Mm. Uh, how I can have runoff sentences um, <laughs> in conversations. Um, I want to be known for my bravery and that I want people to also know that you can be sensitive and also be a leader. That's really powerful. I'm writing that down. Mm-hmm. And if you had a message for everyone listening, what would it be? That's a tough one. You know, that question kind of reminds me of the question that I get asked a lot, which is also, what would you say to your 16 year old self? Mm. And it's funny because I could say something like, um, love is the basis that we should be striving to drive our lives on, or, um, you know, we need everybody should be more compassionate or I don't know, something that's super hallmarky. I can't even think of it, but what I actually would say is nothing. And I would just listen to people. I just, I would listen to people and I would make sure to create a space for them to just be themselves. And I wouldn't tell them a goddamn thing, to be honest. I would just listen to whatever story they had to tell me. Mm. What a fabulous answer. Thank you. Kenzie, thank you so, so much for hanging out with me. Totally. This was so lovely. And Mm. you have such a fantastic energy to you that makes me feel really excited to give you all of the answers and to converse with you. And so I can't thank you enough for creating this space for people to learn and grow and listen and talk about things. So thank you so much too. You're definitely going to have to come back because I know that I've got a couple other things that I've kind of written down that we've got to dive back into. But in the meantime, I need to make sure that I get where people can find you on social media. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Kenzie Brenna on all platforms and I'm most active on Instagram and you can come and hang out on the podcast at Conversations with Kenzie on any of those platforms as well. And yeah, I think Instagram is like the biggest one though. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, Amanda. Kenzie, 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 thank you so much for being with me and sharing energy with me on The Safe Haven. I appreciate your time and your perspectives immensely. I can admit now how nervous I was prior to our conversation, fangirling my way into our Zoom call and needing to take a few breaths before we began. Having been following your journey for so long and now being hooked on your podcast made your appearance today a literal dream come true. So thank you. To everyone listening, I recognize the privilege that comes with my platform and I am committed to creating a safe, brave and inclusive space with intention. If this episode has hit you right in the heart or inspired you in any way, if it's even made you question things, please screenshot your screen while you're listening, send it to your friends and share it in your Instagram stories please be sure to tag us so that we can personally thank you for it. Come find the safe Haven on Instagram at the safe Haven podcast and follow along as the community expands. If you're able to write a review or a juicy five-star rating on Apple podcasts, even better for more great podcasts, check out frequency podcast and I will talk to you next week.